Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the Christmas five minutes and you about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you died for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep, huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're studying trying to reach, huh? But after him who's able to possess your father's by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. call you every morning just to get my day started with that. Too blessed to be stressed. That's good. That's, That's a good. good thing. That's a good that thing. That makes a man. You got to be grateful, right? Yeah, and you know, my other little thing is, you know, steel sharpen steel and men sharpen men. That's good. I like that one, too. <laughs> you like a little you like a little West Coast Yoda out here today. Well, I think I'm an educator of sorts, you know, um, in my own little way, which uh, uh, is my little lead-in to our show today. And I guess you could do the honors of introducing our guest. Okay. Robert, are you with us? I am. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you, Lamont. Thank you, Matthew. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, uh, Robert, I'm going to I'm going to read a little quick bio on you and then we're going to talk about your subject which I think should be good for just about anybody listening in today. Uh Great. and and uh then we'll we'll jump in and ask you a million questions here. Robert Ward is an enthusiastic educator, author and champion for children who is currently in his 24th year of teaching English to a wide diversity of students at public middle schools in Los Angeles. Robert embraces a whole child teaching and parenting approach that attends to each child's social, emotional, soulful, and academic needs. He's the author of two powerful books for educators, The Firm, Fair, Fascinating Facilitator, and its companion workbook, The Teacher Tune-Up. His third book, 
a teacher's inside advice to parents how children thrive with leadership, love, laughter, and learning, joins parents and teachers as allies in education and partners in the nurturing of children. In addition to his popular rewarding education blog, Robert's articles for educators and parents have been featured by Edutopia, I'm sorry, Edutopia, Education Week, ASCD, NCTE, and the U.S. Department of Education's The Teacher's Edition newsletter. The International Literacy Association, Get Connected Dad, and UK ED Chat Magazine. Robert, thank you for joining us today, and we're really looking forward to the topic, which you've entitled it A Teacher's Inside Advice to Parents, how children thrive with leadership, love, laughter, and learning. So welcome, and I think you want to ask us some questions to get started, huh? Thank you, gentlemen. Well, I'd like to, um, first of all, just recap how I began this book. I, I, it took me nine years to write my first two books for educators, and when my publisher came to me and said, I really think that you should write a book for parents, I really had to think about that, but it actually seemed like a natural extension of what I've been doing for 24 years in the classroom, mm -hmm. teaching middle school English. So what happened, the little backstory, is that I would have parent conferences every year, and after I got through my first tumultuous years as a new teacher, because we all go through our growing pains as teachers, I really got my act together, and those parent-teacher conferences were a pleasure. They were a pleasure for me, they were a pleasure for the parents, and they were a surprising pleasure for the kids who, who would be sitting there at the table with us. I mean, most of the time, I would tell the parents, I would look them in the eye and say, you know, your son, your daughter is so intelligent. They are so respectful in my class. I, you know, I so admire how hard they work. They come up with insightful comments and ideas and opinions, you know, in my class. They participate regularly. And so many times, guys, these parents would look at me absolutely in disbelief, and they would say, mm -hmm wait a second, are you talking about my child? And they'd even sometimes repeat their name, like, do you, do you know who you're talking about right now? And I'd say, yes, they're, they're one of my favorite students. And they would say, okay, I don't understand, because I have just come from five other teachers, and he or she is failing all those classes, or many of those classes. I regularly get negative calls home. What are you doing that these teachers aren't doing? What is your secret? And so I really had to think about that and, and synthesize, okay, well, what do I do that has a good effect on children? And that, you know, that came out of my first two books for educators. But then I realized quickly that a lot of what I do is very applicable to the home. I, kind, I, I like to say that, you know, we need a seamless transition between the family room and the classroom. Explain that a little bit, uh, Robert. Well, so first of all, I need to say that I am not a parent myself, and I address that right straight away in the beginning of my book. And I know what parents are thinking. Okay, who is this guy who thinks he knows my child better than I do? And I address that right away. You know, in, 
in 24 years of teaching, I've taught almost 5,000 kids. I've taught the best and the brightest. I've taught the most badass. I've taught the most battered. You know, I, I, it's, you know, the kids with, you know, the biggest challenges and the biggest advantages. So I have, I have a broad range. And when parents say, you know, or think, oh gosh, who is this guy who's talking? He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what it means to live and care for a child 24-7. Well, that's kind of the same thing that I go through when, you know, we get edicts on high from, you know, the district office or the state or the federal level where they, you know, they start telling teachers what they should be doing. And so I, I get that. I get the, the, the thought of don't tell me what to do. But if you guys keep an open mind, I think that there are a lot of things that um, are useful between the, the classroom and the family room. Robert, what, what age group are you talking about that you teach? You said middle school for our, our audience, would that be? Sure, sure. Middle school has kind of um, supplanted the old junior high school. So middle school is six, seven, eight, and I teach seventh and eighth grade. So... 12, 13, 14, around that age. Okay. Matthew, it was, it, was, it was junior high school when we came out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for 12, 13, and 14, God bless you that you have that gift. Because okay. I think those kids now, uh, really You know, gentlemen, that, see, this is the thing. Every time I tell people that I'm a teacher – I get the God bless yous. I get the thank you. Thank you for your service. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you. I mean, universally, people are so positive, and that's where I don't understand this disconnect because, you know, there's so, there's so much bad-mouthing about teachers also, and I, and I don't think it's really coming from the man on the street. I think, it, you know, it's coming from people who want to dismantle public education. And, you know, I, I really appreciate that because – you know, teaching is a tough job. It, I, it, it gets tougher every year, every year for me in some ways because you've got to keep up, you know, with the changes in the culture and changes in technology and, you know, just a lot of, lot of different things coming at you. But Robert. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, man, but I had no, a no. question. And, and, being yeah, an yeah. Old soldier, and being an old soldier, I have to get it out when it hits my mind <laughs> or I forget about it in about a minute. But, yes, sir. Um, let me ask you this, man. Do you feel like uh, society at large is the culprit? You know, because, in, you know, looking at media and listening to a lot of stories, you know, we hear all kind of stuff about, you know, little bad, unruly kids, um, you know, uh, them taking religion and stuff out of school, them taking disciplines out of schools, and that's them not giving the teachers the reinforcement that I had, and maybe I sound a little dated with that, but you know, I, I come from a time where teachers had a little bit more power all around the board uh, than I see them doing today. Because kids do are allowed to disrespect their teachers. They do bring things from home, you know, with a lot of gang activities. They bring activities from home into the classroom, and I'm curious to hear how you deal with that too. Right. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. So, I mean, first of all. I, 
I try to stay away from the blame blame game because it, it doesn't get us anywhere. So, so my whole thing is, okay, if there are challenges and there are problems, I want to be somebody who offers solutions. Now, it might not be a quick and easy solution. Sometimes it might not want to might not be what people want to hear, but I, I want to I move things forward. And you're right. I mean, you talk to any teacher today, if they, you know, most of them are going to say that their authority and their respect has been whittled away and whittled away. And it's bad for the pe- teachers, but it's really bad for, for the kids. I mean, you know, as, as, as we talk further ab- about my philosophy of the classroom and, and parenting, you know, Kids need leadership. They need guidelines and guidance. And, and when you take that away, that, that, that is just hurting the kids in the long run. Yeah, because as we've seen, if they don't get it from their parents or the teachers, they get it from the streets. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, indeed. They, see, see, kids are going to look for leadership and belonging and bonding somewhere. So if they don't get it in the home or the classroom or with positive peers, they will get it, but it, it will not be some, some place that, um, that we want them to get it from. Well, Robert, do you, would you say that you uh, – to what degree do you have difficulty getting respect from your students? Um, I don't anymore because I, you know, I use a very proactive approach, and and this is from day one because, you know, th- those those first seconds of meeting those kids are very important because I, you know, I'm teaching them a lot, a lot of times just wordlessly, so it comes a lot from just acting like a leader, acting confident. And, you know, if new teachers don't have it, then they need to fake it, you know, till they make it. But, but you've got to be somebody who seems and appears confident, and then you've got to start establishing a relationship with the kids because it's, it's not just respect. It's, it's, it's a whole package, and that's, that's why, I, you know, I think it's so important to honor the whole child. I mean, I, you know... Of course, when I first started teaching, those kids ate me alive. I, I taught for 21 years in South L.A., um, you know, at one of the most challenging, you know, quote-unquote low-performing middle schools in Los Angeles, maybe even in the country. And so, you know, I know how tough it can be, and I know how much, you know, those kids especially need. And so it is, it is really important that, that teachers get their stuff together so they can, they can give kids what they need. Hmm. Well, I was, I was uh, talking to my um, fiancé today who is a teacher. She teaches at a uni- local university. And mm-hmm. I've taught in colleges uh, in a number of places and I, I realize that I, I've asked people the question, if you look back over your entire time you've been in school since whenever you started in kindergarten or first grade through, how many teachers do you really remember in a positive way? I, I, I feel bad that I remember only two, my first grade teacher and a teacher I had in graduate school, and all the rest are kind of a blur. And I, I wonder what that means, you know. I have my well, opinions about it, but I'm interested in your thoughts. Well, I remember my music teachers. Yeah, but you know what? You That's do. not good enough. That 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 is not good enough. That 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 
those teachers did not make the impact, you know, that that you did. And I mean, for you to remember your first grade teacher, you know, that's that's amazing. And, you know, I teach middle school, so I, you know, I only see see them on campus. You know, I probably get them for one year and I see them on campus for maybe two years. Um, but, you know, when, you know, kids never come back and visit their middle school teachers. They do, you know, to some degree, you know, with their high school teachers. But I tell you, I've had so many kids come back, you know, and visit me. Not too long ago, I was one of my former students from South Central invited me to her graduation, not her high school graduation, not her college graduation, but her UCLA law school graduation. And, you know, to wow. be there and then, you know, a lot of former students were there. I mean, that was, that was amazing. And, and to see mm. how much they did remember and the impact I made, I mean, that makes it all worth it. Yeah. Well, what what happened? Well, I mean, how, how do we get how do we get uh, how do we get so much mediocrity that we're not? Because I, you know, I uh, that's why I said God bless you because you know you're somebody who's really been involved with these kids. You obviously love it, or else you wouldn't stay in it as long as you do. Because it's certainly not making you rich, <laughs> and it doesn't make you financially rich. I mean. Right. I, I think it's, I think it is a gift that you have that that passion and that commitment. And I was looking at the questions that you asked us uh, to think about, and uh, the four important questions you ask in four different categories. And I'm hoping we're going to talk about that a little bit because I think that was really interesting. Right. Matthew, and actually, that, 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 I, I think we that, we should get to that now because I think that will will answer the question why. You know, you said you know that we're getting so much mediocrity, or, mm-hmm. or we're just—it's just not. Let's let's put it this way: it's not as impactful as it could be and should be. Hey, Robert, I, you know, I I, I I don't you know I I have great respect for my colleagues, and I know they're trying their best, just like there are many parents out there who are trying their best. But trying your best is, you know, isn't good enough. Some, sometimes you need, you need to rejigger, you know, your approach to, to how, yeah. how, how you're dealing mm-hmm. with the kids. Do you believe in uh, parents disciplining their children? Absolutely. Uh, hold that thought, uh, uh, Robert. I think we have somebody else who want to join. Let me ask a question. I'm going to let them in real quick. Great. 747, you're on. Hello, 747, you had a question? All right, check back. I guess they got a fear or something. <laughs> you scared them. Lamont scares them off every once in a while. I don't know why, but he does. No, Robert sounds like one of those old school teachers, you know, the kind that... You said, that, I believe in we... discipline there, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and, and so, so, so let, me, let me address this. So discipline for what purpose? Discipline to control kids? Discipline so so they come into compliance or or what are we really you know what is the end game? What do we really want from kids? We want kids to be respectful. I know that's big for you Lamont. Um we want them to be responsible. We want them to be re- reliable. We want them to be cooperative, courteous, conscientious, contributing you know, of service to others. 
So when we, when we look at well, that's all we, all of those things. That's what that's what the ideal thing is to have all of those things. I guess as a parent, which I am, I always wanted all those things for my kids, and, and especially because that's what I had to deal with going through school. I didn't I didn't have the option of being rebellious at school. I didn't have the <laughs> option of not paying attention at school. You know, my parents and even my grandparents, you know, they were the sorts that, you know, they would, you know, make that little funny looking look or twitch their nose and you know how to go sit your butt down somewhere and Lord knows don't let a teacher send a note home, you know. They were to kind of come back up to the school and embarrass you in front of the whole class. So to me, the kids that came from that era, they didn't have as many problems, you know, with, with again, I'm going to throw it back to society because to me society has interfered with a whole lot of respect for teachers. Yes, anyway, but I'm, I'm going to take what you said one step further and, you know, you said, you know, heaven forbid I have to, you know, I have to go go to to your school or talk to your teacher. When when, you know, those old school parents would, they wouldn't question the teacher. No, it, I'm not it, at all. What what the, no. right? But but see, not at the all. gentlemen, the times have changed. And when totally. when you get a parent who is questioning the teacher instead of questioning what the student did, that's that's when you know you've lost that game. Because yep. and the and the kid Agreed. knows the kid the kid knows right away. Okay, I've won this one because because now now all all this is about is the teacher defending themselves instead of focusing on what the the child did or did not do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and unfortunately, so, and, and when and we talk about all the all those things being respectful, cooperative, all those things you know that you want for your kids, Lamont. It, that that parental discipline is so kids can be self-disciplined. The the what we want is to move those kids forward. So we are not on top of them all the time. We are not hounding them all the time. That that they learn it for themselves. That's what responsibility is. Let me ask you a question, Robert, because, you know, we always hear about this, too, you know, and I want you to dispel the error or comment on the truth of this, because we always hear about teachers tend to teach or have favorites in the class that's more receptive to the teacher opposed to the kids that are more problematic. Do you think teachers just arbitrarily make a difference in the, in the students they're trying to teach, or do they continually to have the passion regardless? I mean, listen, any teacher, like you guys said, did not get in, you know, get in it for the money. So, the, you know, these are highly trained, educated, conscientious people who got in it because they have a passion for the subject they teach, and they, and they want to help kids. They, 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 that, is, that is their main goal. And, you know, when, when you get kids or parents saying, oh, you're picking on my, my child, or a kid says, oh, she picks on me, teachers are too tired to pick on kids. The the thing we want most is that I don't have to notice you right now because you're taking care of business. The, the times I do notice you is when you have something intelligent 
or something insightful or something that you, you know, that you are trying to get across. That, that's when I want to pay attention to you. So this, this picking on kids is, you know, just a ridiculous myth that we, we need to get out of there right away. And if you set up your classroom where kids feel that the teacher is on their side, then, then they're going to meet you halfway, and sometimes they're going to meet you more than halfway, and you're going to have a class of 35 favorites. You do not have to have a situation where every kid sitting in each desk is thinking, you know what, this teacher really likes me. This, this teacher really knows who I am. This, this teacher notices me and cares about me. That, that, that is not something that needs to be an either-or proposition. That, so that how can do you be for every that? single kid. How, how do you produce that, Robert? Well, you produce it by attending to the whole child. So can I ask you guys some questions now? Sure. Sure. Okay. So you guys have done this, and our listeners at home, if you want to grab a piece of paper and write down your responses while – Lamont and Matthew are are saying theirs. I think it would be very interesting for you to do. I've done this at a lot of dinner parties, a lot of open houses, so so I have I have a lot of data to to back up these questions. So my first question, gentlemen, what do you think children's top four needs are from parents? What what are the four most important things that they need from their parents? Lamont, do you want to start? I would probably say time, because in today's world, uh, in a, in a, even in a, um, 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 uh, a couple environment, a family environment, both parents are usually working, um, so they're gone a lot. Children at school a lot, so the time could be spent not so much with the children, and I think the children would like to have a little bit more time with their parents. Time, attention, absolutely. Great. Um, what's what's Lamont, another you one, You've got Matthew? three more, right? Yeah. I want to hear Lamont's all four, if you don't mind. Yeah. Say that again? You want to what? Lamont, what's do, your do, other do, three? I know you got three. Oh, what uh, the other the other three would be, uh, <clears throat> you know, undivided attention, especially when um, parents have multiple children. It seems like children always want want one child may want more attention. And that depends on the parenting too. So I'd say uh, undivided attention, uh, respect, and love would be my four. Okay, great. I'll I'll, I'll talk about those in a minute. Um, Matthew, what do you have? I put down uh, love, uh, patience, and acceptance. I, I think of that's related. Uh, my third one was uh, faith in their value and authority. Uh, authority. Fa- okay, faith in the child's authority? Faith in the child's value. Faith in the child, faith, faith in their faith or belief in their value, their their uh, essential sort of promise or, or usefulness or value as a person or in the world. Okay, great. So 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 the title of my book, A Teacher's Inside Advice to Parents: How Children Thrive with Leadership, Love, Laughter, and Learning, which I what I call the four L's of parents of parenting. 
So that love component, I mean, you, you know, both Matthew and Lamont, you know, had love right there. But mm-hmm. within that, I would put time, I would put attention, I would put Matthew's patience, I would put acceptance. We, we want a relationship with our child. We want to recognize them. We want to give them support. We want to give them sensitivity. All those things boost a child's self-confidence, those interpersonal things that, that, that are so important. You, you know, we want kids to be emotionally strong, and that comes from parenting. Then the respect, Lamont, that is the leadership role. Kids need routines and responsibilities. They need guidelines and guidance. They need structure, stability, security, supervision. And again, those are all so that kids can become self-aware, self-control, self-disciplining, self-monitoring. Um, but it's, it, that, that's not a natural thing. Kids need that leadership role and being a reliable parent, a calm and dependable parent makes kids, you know, who are calm and, and, and dependable. And then, Matthew, Matthew you had the, the faith in the child's belief and value. I, mm-hmm. I would put that in the love category and in the laughter category where parents, you know, kids need their parents to inspire them, to engage them, that, that mm-hmm. you've got to help kids with their passion and, and their purpose in life. They've got to feel a sense of, of adventure and excitement and enthusiasm and exploration. So when you have leadership and laughter, those two balance out. Kids know, okay, there are certain rules I have to have. There are cer- certain norms I have to conform to. But, there, but my, my parent also is interested in, in what I'm interested in and supports me and helps me explore and broaden my horizons so that, that I get a deep sense of meaning and purpose in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now the, the, the one part that you guys didn't put, and, and listen, there, you know, it's, I only gave you a choice of four, is that, that learning aspect. And that's so, – so look, if, if kids need development in self-control, that's the leadership. If they need development and nurturing in self-confidence, that's the love. If they need development in self-expression, that's the laughter. They also need self-efficacy because if you don't have the skills and ability and intellect to back those things up, kids are going to fall short. You can tell kids, oh, my gosh, you're the smartest, you're the brightest, you're the best. But if you haven't helped them actually develop those skills, the, mm-hmm. those, those things aren't going to last that long. So that's why right. when I talk about the whole child, it's really all four components working at the same time. Okay. Now let's let's go then to the second question. Let's let's turn that question around. If the first question was what are the top 4 needs of children from their parents? What do parents need from their children in return? Because it is a relationship. It is a two-way street. Um, whether you're in the family room or the classroom, if, if kids aren't responding and reacting and doing their part, you could, quote-unquote, be the best parent in the world, but you're not going to see m- many results. 
So let, let's start with Matthew this time. Matthew, what, did, what, did, what were your top four that, that parents need from their children? I have four things. My first thought was um, because I'm in the business of being a life coach and I work with families a lot, parents. Oh, wow. Some, sometimes I feel that parents are a little bit too needy from what they want from their children. So I'm, what I'm saying now, I think, and I mean in the healthiest way possible, because I think sometimes particularly baby, baby boomer parents are too needy when it comes to needing their children's uh, attention or love or affirmation. But I'm, I'm going to say these things in the healthiest way possible. I think wow. a parent needs, uh, I think a parent needs love, uh, from a child, I, I think they need responsiveness. They need to feel that there's the child is responding to them. I, I like uh, uh, Lamont's word respect. I put that down, and then the last one I put down was we need to to have them communicate with us. I, you need to know what's going on with them as best as possible. So I put communication down. Wow. Um, that responsiveness and communication, you know, kids being open because, listen, parents and teachers are not mind readers. If, you know, we want kids to trust us and rely on us enough so that, that when there's something really bothering kids, that, that they come to us, that they don't come to their, that they don't go to their peers first. You know, when, it, when, when something's really dangerous or really bothering them, you know, their peers might act out of a sincere sense of helping and compassion, but they might not have the ability to, to guide them, at, you know, as an adult would. So that responsiveness and that communication and that openness are huge. I love that. Um, Lamont, what were you for? Lamont? Yes, I'm here. No, I'm here. Okay. No, I was saying that uh, I think Matthew stole some of my stuff. Uh oh. Um, but uh, my four. I'm gonna start start back with the number one thing. I think Lamont, I love you. I'm gonna share with you. I'll share with you anything you need from Mike because I love you. Thank you. Well, I great great minds that. think alike, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here you go, Robert. Uh, uh, respect, of course. Uh, Accomplishments, uh, accomplishments. Wow. Okay. Communication and responsibility. And responsibility. Okay. So we've got my child. I want my child to be responsible. Absolutely. So even though I used to do my housekeeping all the time, you you both were heavy in the. the kind of leader, you know, that, that the kids respond to your leadership with the respect and responsibility. You guys were real heavy in that the kids are responding to your love with, with the responsiveness and communication. Um, but I also like that accomplishment that, that you said, Lamont, because, because then, then they're really responding to the learning that, that, that they're receiving, um, you know, in school and at home, you know, whether it is, you know, how to make a bed or how to do the laundry or how to balance a checkbook or, you know, how to write a five-paragraph essay. Those accomplishments are important for a fulfilling life. And certainly, you know, we want kids to be moving forward progressively all the time in those areas. 
definitely, right. definitely. Okay, so so then so so let's just really quickly go to the last two questions and 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 yeah. just see how the classroom and the family room are linked up. So question number three that I asked the that that I asked the guys and 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 listeners at home is what are students' top four needs from their teachers? What, what do teachers, I'm sorry, yeah, what do students need from their teachers? As parents, as, you know, a public who, who, who puts their tax money into public education, what are you expecting that, that kids are getting from teachers? So why don't you start us out, Lamont? Uh, well, I think, I think students... Uh well, definitely would want the, the teachers to take them serious, and I guess mm. that go that goes back into my I like that respect word too because you kind of have to have some type of respect for somebody to take them serious. Right. Even so, but but I like how how you're broadening the you know the the idea of respect that respect you know is not just obedience or compliance or cooperation. Respect is. I I know who you are. I respect who you are. I you know, and I accept who you are. So so I think that's great. Right. Uh, and the other is to um, uh, I guess sort of a guidance thing. You know, the uh, the students are looking for um, the teachers to teach them how to be independent or help guide them, uh, for lack of a better word. No, I like it, I, and and that goes for academics and for you know social development. Absolutely. And two more. I gave you two. I just lump my respect in to take them seriously. Oh, okay. <laughs> I gave, I'm I kind listen. Of I'm a up. teacher. I, I I I'm a teacher at heart, so so I'm not going to let you slide. But okay. no, that that's great. Um, Matthew, what what were your four that that students need from teachers? I came up with uh, competence, uh, uh, relationship. So, so do, you, do you mean that, 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 that the teacher knows their subject? Yeah. Okay. Knows the subject, knows the subject, but is also uh, competent in how that person communicates it. To know it and communicate it, as you know, are two different things. So. Oh, I love that com- you brought that up. That's 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 excellent. Yeah. Because so how, how do how do me. you convey that knowledge and wisdom? Right. In a way that's um, comprehens- co- comprehensible, that has cohesion, yeah. that has clarity. Absolutely. Right. My second one was relationship, meaning I think it's important for a teacher to relate in a meaningful way to students as people, so that they they feel seen and heard and and cared about. The third one I put down was passion for the subject. Ah, love it. Thank you. And the last one was, I think that students need teachers to teach them how to think. Mm, and especially that critical thinking is so important. Yes, yes. that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I yeah. mean, is how to do critical thinking. I, it's just sad to me that so many kids come through school and so many different teachers and they end up not being able to have critical thinking at all and so they get susceptible to all kinds of things in their lives later on and I for me that's one of the most important things about school is to teach kids how to think right and and you know I'm 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 working on an article on about critical thinking because sometimes 
people mistakenly think that critical thinking is like being closed-minded, like, like it's criticism. It's not criticism. It's, it's actually a process of opening your mind and, and seeing things at all different angles and, and then making a rational assessment of, of what's right. going on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's just round out question four. We're turning, we're turning question three on its head. So in return, what do teachers need from their students? What, what are the top four? Let me, let me continue with you, Matthew. I put down a teacher needs a student to be willing to learn. Uh, a teacher needs a student to offer them respect. A teacher needs a student to be committed. And also, the last thing I put down is a teacher needs appreciation. I think that it matters a lot to teachers that they feel appreciated by their students. You were talking about that earlier. I think that goes a long way towards making a person want to get up in the morning and go and face a classroom is that sense that they are periodically appreciated for their contribution. Right, because because it, it absolutely is a, a two-way street, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like you said, it is a relationship. So obviously there's, there's two sides to that relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last words, Lamont, what, what do you have? What, what do teachers need from their students? I don't know. I think Matthew's been in my stuff again. <laughs> I was. Uh, well, I'm going to say read and writing and arithmetic. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> aren't they, aren't they there no. to learn? Aren't they no, there but, to have skills? Uh, right. But listen, seriously, uh, I'm going I'm to jump back on this other thing. Um, I can't get past this respect thing. Um, that first, uh, undivided attention, faith in their knowledge, and interact to enhance their education. So, say the last one again. For them to interact to enhance uh, their education. Ah, uh, I might have to okay. steal that from you. That that is fabulous. So, wait, wait, you guys hold on, hold on. Re- stop, 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 Robert, stop, stop. Okay, okay. Ma- Matthew, that was a brilliant yes. question. I just I just want you to note that because we had this little thing, Robert. So you know we'll tell you about it later. Okay. All right. No, I tell, I'm telling. I'm telling before, but you know, he 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 needs a gold star. You know, some of those kids just like need gold stars. If you give them one, they just shine for weeks. I, you know, Lamont needs a gold star on a regular basis. So if somebody says he's got a brilliant question, that he's like good for about a week. <laughs> no, well, but 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 isn't isn't that absolutely true? That that. I was I, just now. I was heard. I was appreciated, and, and somebody validated what I said. That I mean, mm-hmm. that that's, I don't care if you're adult or child. That strikes you at your core. Mm-hmm. That that is that is where you get it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up on what you said, Matthew, about the willingness. So because I mean, if you guys haven't already noticed i'm an you know as an english teacher i love alliteration so i love that repeating of of the same starting letter so i i try to cultivate a classroom of willingness wisdom wonder warmth and worth and if you get all those things going on so this is this is taking us full circle to to your previous question matthew about you know, the mediocrity or, 
you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not really going to use mediocrity for teachers, but, but I would say, why aren't some teachers having their full impact and effect? And it's because they're not meeting the, need, the, whole, the needs of the whole child. If we had this conversation 20 years ago, it probably was going to be all about the firmness and the leadership. And it was going to be all about the facilitation and the learning. Kids are, kids are in school to respect and to learn. Boom. Nothing else. Well, actually, there is a lot else, and, and you guys proved it because you were so heavy on it, and, and, and I admire you for that. Um, and that's that kids need that emotional component to school, and they need that emotional component at home. They have to mm-hmm. feel that they're understood and valued and included. Gosh, inclusion is such a huge thing. Feeling yeah. a sense of belonging. I belong to this family. I belong to this class. This class needs me. I need them. It is a true relationship. And then the, the fourth leg of this table is that soulful component, that school and you know, life in general has got to fulfill you in a deep way. You know, I, I want to be curious. I want to be excited. I want to be inspired in school. You know, so many kids say it's boring. Well, it, it shouldn't be boring. It, it, it should be really passionate. And, you know, Matthew, you said that, you know, students need from their teachers passion. Absolutely they do. And teachers got into this. I know they did for the passion. And if they've lost it, they've got to get it back. Because once they get it back, they get back their career and they get back their students. Do you, could you say a moment um, about curiosity? Because you just mentioned it and we haven't talked about it before. And when you said it, I thought, wow, I should have included that in some of these things. Um, I, I think it's so important that people, that students have curiosity, but I think often it's really possible for a student, for a teacher to instill that, that kind of energy in students. And I'm, I'm wondering how you do that. Well, so this, this is, you know, the fascinating, you know, part of my fascinating facilitator. This is the, the laughter part because we've got to have a sense of humor as, as parents. So I, I like that word laughter. So, in the classroom, I use what I call the 12 C's uh, to, to get kids engaged. And one of them is curiosity, that, that it, it really sparks their interest, that, that they do feel a sense of wonder and awe. Another, mm-hmm. another way that kids can feel engaged is when you give them choice. You know, there's, there's a big thing about student agency right now that, that they feel like they're part of their learning. And, and even if this is a required, you know, unit that everybody has to know and a skill that everybody has to master, there are ways to incorporate choice in that. And let's mm-hmm. take that, you know, right back to the family room. I mean, you know, when you're talking about the terrible twos, you're talking about the kid has learned that powerful word, no. And when they learn that word no, everything is a no. So how, how does a parent battle that no? By giving a kid a choice. Do you want to wear the green shirt today or do you want to wear the blue shirt? Suddenly, they, the, the, no is not an option. 
They're wearing that mm-hmm. shirt, but they feel empowered because they've gotten, you know, so sometimes even the simplest either or choice. What, what do you guys want for the vegetable for dinner? Do you guys want broccoli or do you guys want peas? Or if he grew up in Lamont's household, it might be, uh, do you want to go to bed now or do you want me to strangle you right in the line? Did your daddy know my daddy, Lamont? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Do you want to so eat it, your it, dinner or it, do you want to make it to your next birthday alive? You know? Exactly. I, I, you know, I, I, um, I have um, – Kids have parents where I live. Um, I live on in Florida in a, in a very very affluent community, and and it's just amazing how and sad to me about how much uh, parents um, accommodate their children, and it, and it seems uh. to to uh, really contribute to a lot of a sense of entitlement rather than. Motivation. And you blame I society feel, again, Matthew. I, I feel for the teachers who have to deal with that in the school system because, when, as you said before, the teachers, the this, the uh, parents go in and question the teachers. And right. That's really that's rough. That's rough. So, on so something something I address in in all of my books to parents and teachers is. What's the difference between making a child do something and motivating them? And so here, here is my math. If you get kids realizing I must do this, there are certain things I have to do. I don't have a choice in certain things, but you know what? I, you know, I respect my parents enough. My parents and my teachers are proper authority figures. So, okay, I'm willing to do that. So you match that I must with I should. I should do this because you know what? This is something that benefits me. This is something that makes me feel good. And, and this is something that, you know, con- contributes to me in a, in, a, in a really meaningful way. So you got I must plus I should and then add I want to. I want to do this because... This is something that I've made a choice about. This is something that inspires me. This is something that I'm curious about. This is something that I want to explore. This is something that means something to me. And then you add the last component. I must, I should, I want to, and I can. Because my parents and my teachers have given me the skills and the wisdom and the knowledge to be able to do things. So you add up. I must plus I should plus I want to, plus I can, equals I will. Okay, that's good math. But, but you take one of those components out there, out of that equation, you're, th- then, then you have a much weaker sense of, of motivation. If a kid feels there's nothing in it for them personally, they're going to back off. If a kid feels like, well, yeah, they, my teacher and my parents says I have to do this, but they don't really make me, then, then, then you're at a loss. So, you know, and if a kid doesn't have that self-confidence and that belief, they're, they're not going to make that effort. They're not going to put themselves out there. I, I know that we're – but I, um, I just wanted to go back to a word I saw – Heard you use and I saw it in some of the literature. You said the word "soulful," 
and yes. you were you were talking about in, involving that in in the classroom. Can you talk a little bit more about what that means and how you do that? In the classroom or or, or for parents? Either way, I'm I'm just interested in how you're thinking about it. So so what I'm th- you know so I I talked to you about you know curiosity and that you mm-hmm. know parents and teachers can ta- tap into that choice. We talked about that creativity. Creativity is really important that, that, that kids feel like they're, be, you know, because this soulful thing is developing their need for self-expression. And what the parents' vision of what, what their child is going to be or become or like or be interested in is often very different from what, what the child intends. And you, as parents, they've got to be flexible in really honoring what the child is interested in. And, and I talk to the parents, especially in middle school, that as long as your child is interested in something that moves them and it is, you know, a productive, positive thing, please support them. Please encourage them. Help, you know, go to their practices, go to their games, go to their performances, you know, show that it's important to you because, because that's really important. But also expect that kids are going to change their minds sometime. The thing that they were into, you know, last year is not going to be the thing that, that they're into this year. And as long as they're into something, as long as they're not apathetic and bored or, you know, being negative, but, but they really are inspired and passionate and you know that's really where that soulful element comes in okay that's, good. that's interesting you hey, hey robert your kids uh your kids a trombone player he's playing in the band and the parents work graveyard and the child is trying to practice and you're trying to sleep huh. what are you telling what are you I telling don't know. you know there, you know, that we we have a lot of harsh realities, and we have kids, you know, having 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 to deal with a lot, and parents who have a have a lot on their plate. But th- there's got to be a sense of balance, and there's got to be a sense of me too. And as long as you feel in a relationship that that I count equally, and that sometimes you put me first. And sometimes I put you first, and there's that give and take. Then kids are fine. Kids are totally willing to 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 give parents a break if parents are willing to give kids a break. Sometimes. The reason I asked that question, Robert, because I know we have a lot of young artists out there really trying to sing, trying to play, trying to do their music thing. You know, I was one of them, and because parents work schedule a lot of times. Uh, they crush your dream or step on it because they don't really realize what they're saying. They just say, get out of here with that noise. I'm trying yeah, to Yeah, yeah. You know but, what I mean? But, and they don't yeah. really realize the effect that has on that child that actually might be trying. You know what I mean? Right, So right. But that is why that, 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 that Peace is crucial, or or or, or you, you know you're gonna lose you, you're gonna lose your kid in a very profound way because right. you 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 deny them soulfully, that's going to affect 
your relationship. You had a good relationship, and now that affects the relationship. And you know what? Your kid was really good with self-control and obedience and cooperation, and now suddenly they're being rebellious because you've taken away something that, that, it, that, is, that is part of their being. They've got to have self-expression. They've got to find passion and purpose and meaning in their lives. And, and, and here's, this, this is, I think, the big solution, whether it's the classroom or the family room. If kids see the adult, parent or teacher, living a passionate life, that, oh my gosh, my dad is really into that. He is really into his car club. It's not my thing, but okay, I can support dad on that because dad supports me in my singing thing or my soccer thing. It's got to be a give and take. But, but when kids right. see an adult live a passionate, purposeful, meaningful, soulful life, that, that, I mean, that's one of the best things you can teach kids. Matthew, you're quiet. I was thinking about how I wanted to say something to Robert, and I can't get it quite right, but I'll say it anyway, and then you can uh, straighten oh me out. Oh, boy. Let's, let's buckle up, Robert. Okay. <laughs> Robert, I, I heard you in the beginning um, almost apologize for not being a parent in the traditional sense. And as I'm listening to you talk, I, I – my suggestion about that is, you know, I think a person who wants to, who loves children and kids and wants to teach them and wants to guide them in life and is committed to that could consider themselves a kind of a parent. And I, I really think that your attitude about your kids has a lot of love in it and a lot of commitment and I think that that's a parenting attitude and I it's it's nice to hear it it's it's a it's a lovely thing to hear from you sounds like it comes from your heart and uh, I can understand why your kids would care about you and see you as an influential person and I think that you know parenting today a lot of people need to be parenting children as you know I don't mean to quote politics too much but when Hillary talks about it takes a village I think that you know, children need more than just just their uh, normal traditional parents to get through this life, and and I think that's not something you certainly don't have to apologize that you don't have blood children running around. You get to go to work every day and deal with what you deal with requires a commitment of a parent, and I and I and I uh, I respect you for that. I, I, I mean that those that that is very powerful, and and I I so appreciate that that it's it's humbling and and really touches my heart. So so thank you for that, Robert. Let me jump in here real quick because we like down to last minute or so of the show. But I want to give you the opportunity, Robert, to tell our listeners how they can get your books and how to you. Okay, well, um, you got you know all my books are on Amazon. So teachers, if if you if you look up the firm, fair, fascinating facilitator, even if even on Amazon, if you if you search firm, fair, my book will come up. And parents, but also because I think my book for parents has a lot to offer educators. It is a teacher's inside advice to parents. 
How Children Thrive with Leadership, La- Laughter, Love, and Learning. Um, Amazon, Barnes, Barnes & Noble, any, any place that, that books are sold. All right, Robert. We definitely want to thank you. Uh, we really appreciate you coming to join us today. And uh, yes, we do. We we definitely definitely got a lot out of your uh, out of your uh, visit with us, and hopefully our listeners will learn something about parenting yes. and education. Absolutely, Lamont Matthew. It, it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor to be on your excellent show. So thank you so much. Well, thank the you time, very much. The time flew by, and 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 I I respect both of you guys. You know, it's. You guys do a great job with this show, and and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Definitely have to thank our friend Anita for the introduction. Absolutely. Anita's my number one friend and realtor, so thank you. All right. Well, for those who just joined us late, you can get this show from the archives. Um, And uh, we'll see you next week at the same time, Matthew and I. Definitely appreciate all our listeners. We love you much. Kind of play a play. Absolutely. Out.